Hello, everyone. I'm Neil Malonson. Welcome to the Twilight After Show podcast. We've got a full house today. Uh, Monica is in here taking pictures, so if you hear that clicking, that's her. Hosts Avery Davidson and Kristen Oaks-White, Carl Wiggers producer, and Brianne is joining us this week again. Good to see everybody. And um, fun fact, everybody here but me hasn't had lunch today. So <laughs> I'd like to first talk about when man first began to cultivate agriculture 10,000 years ago. Let's not talk oh, about food, gosh. please. Although that's kind of pretty prevalent in this show. Kind of what we are going to talk about. Kind of what we talk about. Yeah. I am. It is the hangry episode of, of, yes. of Twilight After Show. So let's talk about shrimps. Popcorn shrimp, butterfly oh, shrimp. Wow. All the shrimp, actually, my story this week is on shrimp. And more importantly, all of aquaculture, a recent study came out that showed more than a half billion dollars in damages from different hurricanes over the past few years here to the aquaculture industry. One of the things that they talked about is the fact that um, it's a lowball number. And mm -hmm. part of the problem there is, is that there's no real way to fully study all of that damage. Some things it's because like fish kill is a thing, like how much fish kill occur. There was another study mm -hmm. by LDWAF that uh, showed they estimate around 200 million fish were killed in Ida. Mm -hmm. But, but I mean, how do you how do you know? And you what know? what value do you put on that? Because it depends on the kind of fish as well. So right. that that really. And also, let's talk about the damage that we don't necessarily see mm -hmm. the oyster beds. Right. I mean, you talk about all this water being churned up. Yeah. The amount of fresh water that may have moved into areas that areas that are normally brackish. Right. That damages the oyster mm -hmm. oyster beds and the oysters themselves, killing right. them off. How do you measure that damage? Because you and don't know about it until you go down and you reach up and all you got are shells. A big part of the problem with that is the since they're measuring for hurricanes, let's say Laura destroyed our oyster bed. So you measure for Zeta. Well, the value of that was zero because it hasn't repopulated. Right. But that it that still did damage because it didn't allow for repopulation, but they hadn't harvested anything. So that value zero. Another thing that I talked to Kim Chauvin, she is the wife of David Chauvin of David Chauvin Seafood Company. And they talked about the fact that you don't see all the fuel fertilizer, you know, not fertilizer, but all the fuel costs, all the the cost of supplies and things like that. They are involved in rebuilding. A lot of these folks are, you know, they're working all day to rebuild stuff. Then they're going home and rebuilding their homes. And some of their homes are in disparate areas because they're, you know, they're having mm -hmm. to travel or they couldn't rebuild on site. So that's fuel that costs That's, I mean, you know, their commute goes up to, you know, an hour, two and a half hours or, or an hour to an hour and a half because they're commuting from so far away. That's more cost that isn't really factored into, quote unquote, aquaculture damage, but nevertheless, it's hitting these communities that are already starving another big part that i really want to bring up and then I'll, I'll i'll turn it over to you guys is the fact that price fluctuation in shrimp can be a big deal so mm -hmm. let's say they value it at a certain level that level goes up but they can't sell shrimp well they're showing you know this economic damage at this level but it's really you know they're either not bringing in money or they're they're bringing in more shrimp at a much lower price as a result so it's it's very hard to pin this number down the bottom line of it all is that these communities are still suffering. Glad to see you're still doing the bottom line, I was about line, to say Neil. that exact thing. You <laughs> used the term. What, no, he said it. What, I mean, I guess, what's their strategy in even gathering all of this data? Like, who's doing that? I mean, 
Who's doing it's, a, all the it's a combination between the LSU Ag Center, Louisiana Sea Grant, and the Louisiana Department of Agri- uh, Wildlife and I mean, they're doing a lot of surveys of all the they've, fishermen. They've and- done surveys, and that was another problem that Kim brought up, is the fact that in the aftermath of Ida, 70% of them didn't have internet. So who's filling out the surveys? Mm-hmm. And how right. much of it, you know, is, is getting there? So if 70% isn't calculated in there, what can they do? The, the, the entities involved said... We have to have some number to put out there in order to start getting the aid to flow, to start having some idea of what to calculate and put in there. But um, it's still, I haven't gone down there last week. Every other house still has a blue tarp on it. Wow. I saw that Congressman Graves is is pushing out some legislation and really kind of putting pressure. Right. What What's happening on the disaster aid front i mean what's what is there is is there anything well there's the cares act um and that's the big thing that's been driving this the problem with that as kim pointed out to me and as well as dr julie lively at uh executive director of the louisiana sea grant the cares act has a 35 percent threshold you know and it's the same problem we saw we see in row crop agriculture and crop insurance is that it has to trigger this certain threshold. And part of the damage there is, or part of the issue there is, is that what if it's estimated at 34.5 because of some fluctuating number in there, then it doesn't trigger the federal disaster aid, so they can't get it. So the stuff that uh, Congressman Graves is working on, some of the, you know, Louisiana shrimp industry and the task force there are trying to you know, show that this damage is really there and either get it to trigger that threshold in the CARES Act or have some type of ad hoc program that moves the stuff forward. Um, but like we've seen with other, I mean, farmers are still waiting for hurricane aid from two years ago. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, aquaculture, which isn't on one of the, doesn't have program commodities, you know, in the, in Congress or in, in, in the federal register, when are they going to get, you know, they they have no aid. They have no crop insurance. They have nothing, you know, so. I guess this is also like a very long-term problem. Like you have fisheries depleted from storms. Like these like fishermen are going to be looking two, three, four years out mm-hmm. to really have all these fisheries recovered. Is that right? I mean, am I, I'm just kind of ignorant to this. Some, I mean, like the shrimp. They bounce back over, or they don't bounce back overnight, do they? Some do. I mean, Mm -hmm. some of the shrimp, because they're breeding so fast, there are selected species, so they they breed very quickly and the stocks are replenished. But but oysters. Yeah. Oysters are not not going to, you know, think about the stuff that can move is probably going to be okay because it'll, they'll get out of the way. They'll go further back out into the Gulf, you know, your shrimp, your fin fish, those sorts of things, stuff that's not dependent on the estuary for breeding ground probably is going to be okay. But anything that depends upon those wetlands, those marshes to reproduce, then you're going to have some issues. Your Mm -hmm. oysters always are going to have issues because oysters can't swim. They can't get out of the way of the, of the damage. Oyster fishing has been compared to farming in the sea. Mm -hmm. But part of the problem there is, is that when a disaster hits a row crop operation, it destroys the plants, right? That's the thing. But with oyster fishing, not fishing, fishing, not only is the oyster, the plant destroyed, but sometimes what would be the soil is destroyed. So you have, you know, a double whammy there because a farmer doesn't have to worry about, you know, going out and remaking the soil. But with oyster beds, you do you have to have that substrate. And sometimes that substrate can be 
either destroyed or so contaminated by, you know, silt or uh, other stuff that it's not suitable for gotcha. oyster beds anymore. So you have a double whammy in, in that regard. And so it is, it is a long-term damage issue with, with a lot of this stuff. Not to mention, I mean, the psychological damage after mm -hmm. three, four hurricanes, three years in a row. Mm. And the oil spill was not that long ago. No, it is 2010, which... Wow, that was 12 years ago. I mean, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but it took a long, it, that, that took an it even took longer recovery. I mean, one of the things that we mm -hmm. saw this year from the infrastructure bill is a program to cap um, some of what they call the orphan wells, wells that are not producing but are you know out there that may be potential leaks. They just now in 2022 are getting money to cap a quarter of them, not even the full 100%. So you're right, it's not that long ago in terms of, getting aid, getting stuff to fix this, these issues. But you know what will help if everybody goes out and buys some Louisiana seafood? Yes. And that includes Louisiana crawfish, which are available right now. Right. And that's a good transition. The, uh, Louisiana crawfish does have the ask before you eat. Uh, David Chauvin did want to urge people to do the same thing for shrimp and other, other products. But um, I do want to talk more on crawfish, particularly because I'm just Hungry for them. Doesn't that sound great right now, guys? Well, that does you sound so good. If only those are spicy big box, crawfish. There was a box full of yeah. some fresh Louisiana crawfish. No, I didn't get sweet. any. It, it was delicious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Brianne, I guess that's your biggest takeaway from yesterday is how good it was. Yes. It was a really big eye-opening experience. Um, just first off, not being from here and seeing that whole entire process. Um, had I, you ever had crawfish before? I did. Um, okay. Back in Oklahoma. So it wasn't that big of a... But it was, they cooking completely different, <laughs> completely different. Um, and I like spicy food. And yesterday, I, good reason so to stay down here. So you felt at home, yeah. <laughs> good reason. Well, so explain what your story, I mean, where did you go? What did you do? We kind of just went straight into you getting crawfish. Well, tell me, tell us about what your story is. This yeah, week. so um, I went over to Tony's Seafood uh, and kind of got a good behind the scenes, um, saw the whole entire process and start to finish from them little crawlies to, <laughs> to being boiled and ready to eat. Um, so, so bringing them out of a bag, cleaning them, yeah. boiling them, the whole nine, right? Yeah. Wow. So what did, did you, did you make any friends? Any little, I did. Any little I did. Critters? His name's Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I named him Bob. Uh, and he went on a nice little journey and Went home on somebody's in somebody's bag, I guess. His final journey. I don't know if you snuck him home and he's living in your bathtub now or Listen, I thought about it, but you I could already in your pocket or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always like getting new little pets. Um I don't I don't know. I kinda heard my mom in the back of my head yelling at me and I was like, Maybe not maybe not a good idea. <laughs> so you you had a few pounds of crawfish you took home with you. <clears throat> yeah. Um so did you eat it all? That there's probably a pound left, maybe if that. Uh, I got it's hard to stop eating them. It was mm -hmm. last night. I was just like, Oh, I'll just make a little bit and call it good. And mm -hmm. I, nope, nope. So I, I, I'm gonna back it up a little bit. You said that uh, up in Oklahoma, the folks there prepared them differently. What was different? What, what did they do differently from what you saw at Tony's? I mean, other than scale. I think their spices or seasonings um, are completely different. And I'm sure, I mean, I didn't stick around in Oklahoma to like watch them do mm -hmm. the whole entire process. Um, I'm 
too impatient. I like to. <laughs> you show up when the work's yeah, done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but it's, I mean, plus they're a lot bigger down here. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what where we got our crawfish from and whatnot, but Louisiana crawfish, definitely a lot bigger. They so. probably came from Louisiana, but keep in mind, you know, if you live in Louisiana, you get the good ones because you, good yeah, we, we, we go ahead and we'll take the, the rest and say, okay, those little ones, they can go out of state. <laughs> we'll keep the big ones for ourselves. And I was, what I was impressed by, cause I went with Brienne yesterday. How, uh, how, how selfless of you. I know. <laughs> well, I, for one, Bill take, Pizzolatto's a great guy. Taking one for He's the team. Guy. And, Cool uh, enough, while we were there, I ran into Yvette Bonanno. Huh. She was there uh, helping some folks do some research on another little project that huh. uh, she's working on. But, it, you know, it's, it's great to go to a place like Tony's and see, you know, nationally renowned chefs showing up to, to shop there, to, to look and get inspiration. And Yvette's such a, a great cook, great chef, and, and a great person. To see her there, I was like... All right, we're in the right place at the right time. But the other cool thing was the crawfish, the claws on those suckers were big. Yeah. For this time of year. I was about to say, it's early for, to have such good size. I think I, think I saw yeah. a story about how the warm weather, the warm weather helped. Yeah. helped 82 degrees on Christmas Day kind of makes a yeah. difference. Yeah. It allows for them to, to grow just a little bit. To just have, a little bit. To have water temps in the 70s already in some crawfish ponds is kind of, mm-hmm. kind of bonkers. I'm sure the last few weeks have affected that, but... I'm glad that you had some size because yeah, that, makes it, that makes it worth the effort, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the, the other thing about Tony's is, and Neil, you know this very well because you and I have gone a few times. It's an experience to go in there because yeah. uh, I showed Brienne. Yeah, there's, there's the, pond, the little tank where they have all the, the catfish. What, what was it like for you seeing this kind of a, a fish market? It was eye-opening. Uh... Oklahoma doesn't have something like this, not that I know of. Um, but it, it was, it was all right there. And I'm such a, I want to see where my food comes from and in that kind of thing. So that was, it was really good. And so she's a big photographer. So was actually shutter bugging <laughs> out. I mean, she was taking pictures of every little crawfish, every step of the process. There were a couple of times where she's going to yell at herself looking at the video because she was in my shot taking photos. I was like, ah, that'll work. That'll work. Yeah. Uh, the operation they have behind the scenes is huge, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Um, and I could probably stay there all day and <laughs> still be as excited um and also also the hospitality um, yeah. amazing amazing bill's and, a really nice guy he sits on the louisiana crawfish promotion and research board and one of the great things about that is tony's buys crawfish only from louisiana producers mm-hmm. and that makes such a difference you can see it in the crawfish and you can see it you know when you when you can taste it when you eat it <laughs> Absolutely. Huh? Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so we got fun stuff. We did crawfish. Mm-hmm. We did shrimp. Now we're going to get some rum. Right, Carl? I brought back rum for not everybody. <laughs> not everybody. Whoops. A little sour about it. Yeah, a lot a lot of bitterness well, in that sweet Well, you know, rum. sometimes just, uh, I don't, I, I, I can't, I can't explain my way out of it. That's why you didn't get any crawfish yesterday? Well, I did not go home with crawfish yesterday. That's true. Um, I went to tit for tat here. I, <laughs> I went to the Young Farmer and Ranchers uh, Leadership Conference in Lake Charles, and part of their 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 day they had planned was a trip to 
uh, Bayou Rum, which I know you know. Right. You can't go there without a tasting. Not at all, and you don't want to either. No, heck no. So I, I participated uh, very briefly. I got a couple of samples of the ones I've I've not tried before. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was cool because, I mean, there was a huge group of young farmers that were there for the conference. Uh, they had some, like, speakers that morning, uh, President Jim Harper. Um, Jamie Lee shared about what the Ag in the Classroom's got going on right She's now. She's great. Great. They talked about contests. Um, Jamie Lee, a crawfish producer. Yep. There you go. Um, it, ag teacher and crawfish producer. Yeah. Um, they, uh, it, it was just, it was a great conference at the hotel, but then we left and had the good time at uh, Bayou Rum. And it was just fun. It was fun to go in and just kind of, I mean, socialize. That was really fun to me. I, I mean, I had some of uh, some members in my ag leadership class that were, were there. I got to hang out with. Uh, it was nice to catch up with some of them. And just the young farmers that, you know, we see at convention or we see, you know, just out across the state doing stories from, you know, throughout the year and just kind of getting everybody together in one room was fun. You could tell they they enjoyed that as well because they were just, it was a couple of times they had to kind of hurry people along. Okay, mm-hmm. it's time for the tour. Like, let's move it. And they were right. all just chatting, catching up on life. And um, I think that was the biggest, one of the biggest things about the conference was just being together. Connecting. Yeah. Um, of course, rum doesn't hurt. Uh, it was, it, so it was, it was a good time. Um, and their facility is amazing. And, at oh my gosh. I got to go and see inside the, I didn't shoot any video of it, but that event center they have now that is, nice. is so, so fine. You can see why pe- people do weddings. There. Oh that yeah. They a had a wedding. Thing. Actually, they have a wedding today. Two, two, 22. Nice. Um, so congratulations to whoever, I think it was at two o'clock also, which is right. of course. When I went to shoot it. Last year, or two years ago, they were having, they had a wedding. Yeah, uh, it's so nice. But the facility, I mean, the tour, you've you've been on the tours. Mm-hmm. They're they're just, they they do it really well. They haven't got it, they've got it figured out. And then yeah. the tastings, of course. Mm-hmm. The the young farmers kept the uh, cadges register busy. I know that's hard to believe. <laughs> I but see why. There was, a, there was a lot of purchasing happening, which I'm sure Bayou Rum appreciates. But also, uh, the young, they, they were eating it up. Or drinking it up, I guess mm-hmm. you could say. I mean, it was- <laughs> well, it's it's hard not to because, of course, they make their rum from Louisiana sugarcane. Right. And, and it's you can that, taste it. You can taste it. You know, when I talk to the guy who's their master blender there, he talks about the fact that the soil quality has an effect on it. And they the, on the they specifically want the patu sugarcane because it comes from the same fields, you know, and they and it, so it has that consistency to the taste of it mm-hmm. but he said there's no way to make caribbean rum here in the states because the caribbean soil is the caribbean soil american soil is american soil so you have genuine louisiana cane rum here and yeah. it's great I, I i think it's great that they're they're doing that sort of thing and they're supporting what i think is a great institution in an area that god knows needs you know economic uplift yeah. as much as they can get I, I did my part i brought back Myself a bottle of the uh, the Gator Bite, which is mm-hmm. the the coffee liqueur, which can go in some hot coffee, cold coffee. Um, I, I think we know I'm kind of obsessed with cold brew, so mm-hmm. it goes into a little sip of that. It's good, really well. Yeah. I also brought Avery the the special darkest something or another that right. he's into because you know he's a rum snob. He he ran off, so he can't. Give us this long, long, long explanation of why he loves it so much. So I got what was ever left over in the three pack. No, that's what it sounds like. The three pack. That's what it sounds like. I put that together. I brought you a spice drum. 
I didn't know what you like. I know you like wine. <laughs> Let me tell you what, that spice rum, you got to blend that stuff out. By itself, it is like, it's intense. You're saying you can't handle it? I I I blended it out. We're yeah. gonna we're gonna do a little taste test after we're done with this podcast and see. Shots, we should have done it before. Shots, make shots, this. Shots, everybody. <laughs> okay. I was gonna ask you though, Kristen. So I, I didn't actually buy a three pack. I bought three and they put it in the carrier. It looks for me. like it was three in a pack. They put you three say, in the carrier oh, for yeah. me. Um, Speaking of which, you can get your hands. You can on some get of your that hands rum. on some. We we're gonna give away one. a pack. Actually, a four pack. And a t-shirt. Promo and button. Stuff. <laughs> That's right. Have you act now? Act now. Act fast. If you're 21 years or older. Um, but I asked Kristen for anyone that's curious. I asked Kristen when we got back when she came in today. I was like, "Hey, what kind of what kind of rum do you like?" And she's like, "I haven't really had rum since college." Oh, we're really gonna we're gonna do it, aren't we're we? We're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. <laughs> so I hope you like it. I hope it doesn't give you too much uh, flashback to the college days. But. <laughs> <laughs> it's it sounds like it needs to be rum, cut with gasoline or something no. according to neil no no no, no. I, it's not it's not a bad taste it's just very strong it's it's meant to be blended with you know some type of mixer diet or coke maybe oh <laughs> that's Wolf. your college drink wasn't it <laughs> i keep telling landon if we could be millionaires if we could just find some sort of alcohol that has not been made yet with mm -hmm. soybeans yeah mm. Ooh. bean brew Nothing sounds appealing. No, no. But part something. Of that appealing, yeah. There's got to be something. I'm sure we well, can make alcohol out of anything. Yeah. I mean, for a minute. Hey, speaking of, I saw that Wetland Saki is. Uh, They're having a grand opening. They delayed tomorrow it tomorrow night. The, no, it's been delayed till oh, Tuesday. Oh, has because it? of the cold weather that's coming in. Oh, they wanted to make sure the weather's right. Yeah. It looks like it's going to be a cool like band and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's in New Orleans, right? It is. And got uh, to do a story on them. We're trying to do a story. I've I've got it arranged. They were still Sneals. Don't touch it. Oh, yeah. Can't touch hands it. off. Hands off. No. Um, they're uh they're they were just busy setting things up and they wanted to get everything set up. So as soon as they get going, I think I'm gonna wait until rice season gets going because yeah. this past season they really went out into the fields and showed where the rice comes from that they make it. They were heavily invested in the agriculture end of it, which I just love. I mean, the, I'm so the glad variety they use for anyone that doesn't know is a variety that was developed at the Ag Center, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So that's I mean I don't think we can make a stronger connection to Louisiana agriculture than, right. than that. Anyways, yeah. that's not in this week's show. We don't have to talk about it as much long. I just, I right. thought about that. If y'all could figure that out, I would love to do a story on that since Neil has dibs on the rice. <laughs> I guess maybe you would probably have dibs on it first. I would love to do it. Oh, I... But they make, don't they make everything else out of soybeans, oils no, and I mean, yeah, and... but... I don't, I don't maybe it doesn't have a they do stuff with corn i mean they make there's somebody that makes vodka with corn in right. um the delta area new distillery here in baton rouge that we're trying to do matador that makes vodka out of sugar cane hey. yeah Ooh. i saw that i'm down <laughs> yeah so uh interesting should well, be interesting back to my story i'm sorry to for the tangent but right yeah by your own was awesome. The leadership conference seemed really great. Uh, seemed everybody had a good time. It's um, really important. I mean, it's when they find that connection, that's their reason to stay in young farmers, and that's their reason to stay in farming. I mean, yeah. that's the future, right? Well, there, Vincent so Canatella is the chair of the uh, the wife and R, and he he was saying, "Look, you got I got lifelong friends. Mm -hmm. I have no doubt. He's been in the program for." I think, I think he said 12 years ago when he came in, he met yeah. people that he can still call today. And he's like, I have no doubt that those are going to be my my people, you know, 
for the next 40 years as right. I farm. We're all farming together. We're yeah. all doing, uh, you know, we're all walk the same paths, whether it, you know, same crop or not. They have the same struggles and they share those, right. those burdens a little bit. And, and so that's why I think these events where they get together and, uh, connect really, and have fun. Yeah. Connect. It's valuable. So yeah, I, I, agree. I agree. Um, anyways, finally, let's talk about, yeah. um, the twilight boost this week. Kristen, and, uh, Kristen, Kristen, Kristen found this thing. I'm, I'm excited to hear about it. Tell us about it. Sorry. We were checking to see when Kristen's the, really when the food concerned was here. where this food is. Is okay. it here? No. Oh, okay. Monica Update. said they're still making, <laughs> putting patty cakes together. <laughs> um, Jimmy what? John's. Everybody's curious. What did you ask This me? podcast brought to you by Jimmy John's. There's, there's the Twilight Boost. Twilight Boost. What's the Twilight Boost this week? Boy, that's worse. They're starting to get hangry in here. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Arkansas Farm Bureau has recently launched a Dirty Jobs-ish video series. Uh, they don't do a TV filthy show, farm? though, right? No. So it's kind of their I don't like think a, a so. video filthy, series for them? Yeah, Filthy Farm Jobs, I believe mm -hmm. it's called. In their first episode, they took their Avery, okay. their PR director, and put him to work on a rice farm. And the first part of it is their... Are you familiar with, like, on, on rice farms, pulling the gates to the ditches yes how it floods mm -hmm. the field sluices yeah so he's doing that yeah and he's, waders he's, and probably I'm well guessing. he yeah he didn't have the he doesn't have tall enough boots first of all oh that's golden well the guy and the guy messes with him because he's got a, a fake but snakes are really bad in there it's oh, water wow. like yeah he pulls a fake snake out <laughs> <laughs> it was it, it's it's pretty funny it's funny as somebody getting run into a tree by a horse it's, or is that? I don't know about that. Yeah, probably not quite that funny. But I would pay hey, fake snakes and a I can imagine that's probably ripe for entertainment with somebody that got short, too short of boots and yeah, it, it was pretty. It was pretty funny, and it was like he he was uh seems like he's an Avery type city boyish kind of so it. Let's just lean it, into it this. Was pretty comical. Like, Avery bashing. No, it's yeah, it's it's fair. Um, well, that sounds like an interesting, at, at least, you know, amusing. It's very uh, long. Yeah. So yeah. we can only show a clip of it, but. Right. We'll put I'm a guessing link on we'll our website. have a link in our show yeah. notes. Mm. Um, I guess finally I want to talk about next week. We're having an FFA takeover, the Future Farmers of America. Do you America. think we can do an after show with them? We that could. That would be a mess, That'd probably. Be, it would be a, be a mess, but on. it would be so much fun to have them talk all over each other and, and <laughs> you know. Uh, Maybe we can uh, just pull a. Uh, I, they're in teams. They're in teams of three or yeah. four. So maybe we can get a so team at a, a time. Representative. Yeah. That, or yeah, one yeah. one per team. Yeah. Tell about their stories. But yeah, they're, we did it last year. And actually last year we ended up having to delay it because it was right around the ice storm. Um, So we ended up having to delay it past when we were supposed to do it, which is FFA week. Right. Which uh, is a national thing they celebrate. So this year it's actually going to line up. So mm. we're excited about that. Um, so yeah, we're going to be doing that next week. They've already got their stories produced. So, uh, I think they're going to be probably highlighting some ag yeah. teachers and programs across the state and maybe, uh, so it'll be cool. We're going to also have a new, uh, feasting on agriculture from yeah. crawfish field. We're going to go back to crawfish. We're gonna have a lot of crawfish over the next couple of months. People one. just get used to it. I'm yeah. not mad uh, about it. I'm, it should be interesting if it pours down <laughs> rain. Yeah. That's always fun. We'll see, yeah. It rained a little bit yesterday. I was on a pine plantation shoot. We'll talk about that later on. But uh, it it is uh, it's always fun this time of year with the weather. 
anyways, it'll All be right. a good show next week. I'm it excited. should be a really good show. We've got we're going to have a busy week next week. The other thing is the American Sugarcane League is having their annual meeting next week. It is also their hundredth anniversary this year. The American, American Sugarcane Sugar Cane League. League. That is correct. Same as Farm Bureau. So, hmm. um, a lot going on. A lot of meetings starting to really kick back off. So, uh, it's good to see. All right. Well, speaking of good to see, it's good to see all of you. Kristen Oaks White, Avery Davidson, Monica Velasquez, Brian Hendrickson, and last and probably least, Carl Rivers. Thanks I'll for take joining it. us. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. If you can, subscribe to us on your favorite place to get podcasts. Also, leave us a review wherever you're listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play. And let us know what you think about the show. Reviews are great, but sharing is how you show that you're caring. So bring <laughs> your mother in, bring your sister in, share this podcast with them. Let them know that you enjoy listening to the Twilight After Show. And don't forget this podcast is produced by the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. 